This isn't going to go how you expect it will. This is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Welcome to Skies of Academia, a podcast about critical analysis of games, their systems, and their social and cultural influences. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today, with me today is Luke. Shit, wait, I thought we were recording Nuts of Macadamia, the cookie podcast. <laughs> no, that's that that's for Patreon subscribers. <laughs> uh, and we That have sounds like Zoe a way better show, frankly. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm here to tell you why uh, peanut butter cookies are the best cookie out there. Damn, you're right, though. I mean, they're up there. I made, uh, I got I got high as hell, and I made a ice cream sandwich with peanut butter cookies and pistachio ice cream, and it was the greatest thing I've ever eaten. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, why why are we even doing this podcast anymore? <laughs> so let's, just, let's just end this and make some peanut butter pistachio sand, ice cream sandwich cookies. I'm um, going to make a counter offer here and say peanut butter chocolate chip. Just a Reese cookie. It's not... It, I, I, I respect the noble Reese's cookie, but uh, sometimes the combo of the peanut butter and the chocolate can get a little too rich. Uh, okay. Also, I think chocolate's a bit overplayed. I mean, use unsweetened oh. peanut butter. Like, no. you're already putting what, sugar what in doing? the cookie it's dough. A, no. Coward's choice. You're already... You just complained that it's too rich! <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't put chocolate in. But you can... <laughs> <laughs> this is a solvable problem. Yeah, uh, I don't put chocolate so, in my cookies. So I guess on this episode about Final Fantasy VII Remake, we'll be starting off by asking... Uh, by asking what do you think each character's uh, fra- favorite cookie is. Mm. Uh, um, a question I, I am not at all prepared to answer. Yeah. Aerith likes uh, the chocolate chip with M&M's. Okay. Cloud just gets depressed and eats an entire pack of like chess men by himself. Uh, Cloud, Cloud eats the monster cookies, those ones where it's just like, throw whatever shit in them, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. It's like trail mix. I don't even think yeah. Cloud eats cookies. He just eats a whole sleeve of saltine crackers. Oh. What do you have against people who eat whole sleeves of saltine crackers? Luke? Nothing. I'm one of them. I'm just saying Cloud's with okay. us. <laughs> okay. Good. Listen, I, I thought I was about to be very judged here. No, listen. I've done it, and I'll do it again, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come out of a place of deep depression. I have an open roll of crackers next to me at this moment. <laughs> However, they are not saltine. They are Ritz? Target brand Ritz. Okay, nice. yeah, nice. I've got I've got Cheez Its next to me. Hell yeah! <laughs> I have a glass that was filled with water last night, but is empty now and is still on my desk. Sick! Congratulations! Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I said this was going to be more structured, but we're already <laughs> yeah. off the rails. Whoops. Um, so this Fucking podcast whispers is... of fate are going to come like destroy us for talking about cookies too long. Yeah, I know they're gonna. <laughs> bunch of dementors are gonna they look like dementors right they really do look like dementors no they do yeah okay i'm glad it's not not just me i've described them as dementors to like two other people who are also playing the game so yeah Yeah, i mean it's what they are before they are i I guess i guess spoiler alert for all of ff7r uh i did kind of assume they were like sephiroth clone ghosts at first yeah, I think that that's fair. That's a fair assumption yeah. to make early on. So, uh, as you may have guessed already from uh, this discussion, also from what I'm going to title this episode, uh, this is going to be a follow-up to the podcast Luke and I previously made, uh, talking about the original Final Fantasy VII, uh, because all three of us have played the remake. Uh, yeah. And we really want to talk about because, boy howdy, did that game go to some places. <laughs> It did. It went for it. Uh, so what I I think I what I'd like to do um, to at least have some semblance uh, of a structure here um, is sort of a, not necessarily tackle this uh, in chronological order like the way we did with Kentucky Route Zero because that way lies madness. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this plot is shorter than Kentucky Route Zero. True, but also, and listen, I like this game, but it is not as dense as KRZ. That that is certainly true. Uh, what I'd actually start uh, like to start with is the characters because the thing about Final Fantasy VII Remake is that it differs from most of uh, Square's various remasters or ports in that it is a full like almost movie style remake where it's not necessarily trying to be shot for shot the same as FF Seven, and right. in particular. Um, what it especially likes to spend its time on is developing the characters more and putting them in mm-hmm. different situations than what they were in in the original game. Um, uh-huh. And I think we can best start off with that, with the three characters who are most emblematic of those changes and extra development, uh, the Avalanche trio of Biggs, yeah. we- Biggs Wedge, and Jesse, who all are fantastic. Yes. They're delightful. I I loved all the the weakest one is probably Biggs, but even then he's he's very pleasant. Like he's, he's pleasant. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the least like characterful. Wedge yeah. does have a little bit of like fat shaminess to him. Yeah, it's not as bad as I was kind of like psyching myself up for it to be, but like there's a reason that he's the one they decided to make the comedy the comedy relief you know yeah yeah the the thing about wedge is that um all like the fat shaming that is there is in the dialogue they give him um yeah. because the characters don't give a shit <laughs> like the, no no like the it, characters it, themselves never, make never fun explicitly of him. yeah his, his weight's never explicitly referenced other than he loves to talk about uh eating yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, frustrating because they almost get there, um, and also yeah. Wedge's response. Wedge is directly responsible for some of the best lines of dialogue in the game, uh, such as yeah. Cloud telling him, "Sorry about, I'm your, sorry ass. about your ass." <laughs> right, <laughs> but again, like yes, that's a great line. Also, the reason Wedge gets shot in the ass is because they think it's funny to watch a fat guy fall down. You know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. also is unfortunate. 
Yeah. Wedge's cats are delightful, and I love them. He does have and, several cats. And also, what maybe, like, I think Austin Walker said, like, they are some of the most, like, realistically rendered cats he's ever seen. Which, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Like, they, they look very... My cat went like, what? what, what what's this? <laughs> when they started meowing. Yeah, FF7 Remake has weirdly detailed cats. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was not expected. <laughs> What's no. so weird about how this game looks is that parts of it are, like, jaw-dropping, like, just amazing-looking, and then other parts look kind of terrible. <laughs> I would say, like, the the parts that look terrible, I, there definitely are, like, texture pop-in is really bad. Well, like, all the NPCs that and... aren't, like, characters that show up in the real cutscenes are, like, they look like... Sonic 2006 characters, you know? Oh, I no. would say that's a The lady that oh, runs yeah. the orphanage asks you to break crates in the marina in Sonic 06. <laughs> to, the, what they reminded me of are, like, the random N- NPCs in the FF15 overworld, honestly. Yeah, sure. that's, yes. Which, like, I, I don't think they look bad. Like, I, I definitely think there is, like, a clear delineation of quality between, like, characters that are at least moderately important, and extras. Yeah, they... yeah, and, like, to be clear, I'm not even, like, ragging on the game for this. I think it's kind of funny, but, like, honestly, I'm fine with them kind of, you know, focusing on the parts that need to look good and letting the rest of it kind of look whatever, if that means that, you know, they get these out faster or, you know... God willing, it meant that people didn't have to crunch as long. Yeah, God. yeah. They they spent most of their uh, graphical detail on uh, modeling eyes extremely well. Yeah, <laughs> for the so main well. characters. Uh, <laughs> there, there are so many close-ups uh, on faces to get expressions through eyes in this game, uh-huh. um, particularly where Cloud and Barrett are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh that I was not expecting, but also it works really well. They, they, and I, I like it too, but they really like the trick of zooming in on Barrett close enough that you can see his eyes through his sunglasses. Through the sunglasses, yeah. Yeah. I, um... Beneath his cold exterior. I noticed they, they do it a lot with Tifa also, and it's a little unsettling because, like, her eyes look incredible, as do all of the main cast, but they are like they kept the like bright crimson red eyes and so uh-huh. like they they look really realistic but also i'm just like eyes don't look like that that's not no no one has that it's right. fine she's just secretly a demon that's gonna suck your soul out of your body it's okay <laughs> eh, I'm, uh, it's tifa i'm okay with it <laughs> uh yeah so one of the cool things about the ff7r is that um speaking of tifa actually uh one of the first one of the first things it really does to dramatically change the pace of the game is uh significantly expand the the slums section uh yeah. in sector mm-hmm. seven uh that lets you get to spend more time with uh avalanche as well as um sort of tour the the slums with Tifa as well. Um, yeah, people were making a lot of jokes when this game first came out that it was like it felt like a Yakuza game set in Final Fantasy, and that's going too far. But like, yeah, you, it's you not do a lot of like goofy. <laughs> yeah, you do a lot thing. of like small chores for random folks, and it, it like I think it works out pretty well because you end up like it, it helps the slums feel like an actual lived-in place. 
Yeah. Um, uh, which pays off later when bad things happen to the slums. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I liked a lot of the... Even a lot of the NPCs that are sort of just like these one-off people in the slums that you to talk to. Um, I like that, just, that they just have this random, like, lady... Uh, yelling through a microphone about how many monsters people have killed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love um, Chadley. Chadley. Chadley sucks. No, Chadley's my delightful little boy. Chadley rules because he sucks. Ugh. Chadley's the worst. The, the, like... first, the first thing Chadley says to you when you meet him is, if you do not trust me, just kill me. I will die for you. He's a delightful like, wow, schoolboy with a techno monocle that just wants you to help him with his homework. Chadley was created when someone on the Final Fantasy team listened to the Adventure Zone. Was like, "Ooh, I love this Angus character." <laughs> um, uh, I, he looks my, like he belongs in FF13. I will he admit. Really does. Yeah, he looks very cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, I my favorite going back to like the minor NPCs in the slums. My favorite bit. Um, of, like, very incidental, you kind of can miss it if you don't, like, do digging, is the two gate guards um, uh-huh. in the slums. If you talk to them early on, um, the younger one is new to the job, and he is, like, a little bit like, come on, can't we go help? And the old wasn't like, no, we have a it's fucking state your post, rookie. And later on, when the evacuation is happening, that plays out. The young one goes, oh, fuck this, and opens up the gate and, like, lets people through. Oh, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a, like, an additional layer of, like, continuity there that I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. How? So, going back to Chadley, Luke. Oh, did, God. Did, Luke and Zoe, did either of you... Like, either... Well, you probably didn't get this secret scene because it requires you to go back into hard mode and, like, beat all the nope. VR challenges. Didn't but do have, that! Have no, you watched his, his scene that you get when you do that? I haven't. Tell me all about it. Tell me so all about it. it. It reveals... He, Chadley reveals what he is. And he says, uh-huh. I'm not human. I'm a cyborg created to serve as Hojo's assistant. Son what? of a bitch, he's no. Astro Boy. I was given knowledge and power beyond that of a human, but I was robbed of free will, bound to obey the whims of my master. But when we met, Cloud, I sensed something within you, something I knew would allow me to break free of my chains. What the yes. fuck? By identifying, a sub- a, by identifying and studying a subject with infinite potential such, such as yourself, I could adhere to the directives imposed upon me, all the while pursuing my plans for independence in secret. Yes! <laughs> Your combat data provided me with the vital information that I require to en- enhance my basic functionality. <laughs> I hate Chadley more now. <laughs> whatever, like, when they get to, like, FF7R8 or whatever, when you fight Hojo, I just want, like, that instead of fighting him, Ho- uh, Chadley just shows up and obliterates him with an energy do you, cannon. Do you want him to have, like, Astro Boy rocket feet? Yeah! Yeah, or, uh, like, the, yeah. the, the, Ooh, missile, take, the missile butt or whatever. Take Sid out of the party, make Chadley your airship guy. <laughs> Hell yeah. My favorite thing about this secret cutscene is that after Chadley finishes this spiel, the only thing Cloud says is, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most Cloud response. It really is. Uh, anyway, Chadley rocks. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, Love it, Chadley. Um, but yeah, like, uh, some of my favorite parts, um, one of the things I like about the slums is that it also encourages you to, like, finish all the side quests, because, like, if you do, you get, like, that extra scene with Tifa, um, where... You choose the dress. Yeah, well, the the dress thing is, is kind of is kind of whatever, um, because like honestly, two out of three of those choices are kind of weird. Uh, but um, what I like about those sequences is that, like, for the first section of the game where Cloud is helping Avalanche with the reactor, like he's very kind of surly and aloof. Um, but through that slum sequence, like, Tifa is really the only person that he has even slightly opened up to. Um, Mm -hmm. and we get, we get even more of that, uh, if you unlock that, like, extra scene. Um, and it's just nice to see a better progression of that than what happened in FF7, uh, the, the sort of original. Um, it, it feels like a more... I feel like it, it it reveals Cloud's relationship with Tifa, um, and also like what Tifa is hoping to get out of like uh, keeping Cloud around as well, um, like reconnecting with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did um, not do all the side quests in any of the zones, so I do not know this scene other than I knew you got to pick her dress. It's it from what I remember. It's basically like Tifa being like, "Hey." Um, like, you know, sure has been a while since we were, like, you know, kids and together and, like, Cloud, after opening up a bit, after doing all the side quests, um, kind of is like, yeah, maybe we should be friends again. Okay. And, and then Tifa's like, yeah, we could go out. Like, you know, what kind of dress do you think I would wear? And that's when you pick the dress and everything. It, Tifa kind of... I got the vibe, at least, that Tifa was definitely thinking of it from, like, romantic styles. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Cloud was not picking up at it on at all, because he's Cloud. Because he's yeah. Cloud, yeah. <laughs> Zoe, I don't remember. How much of, like, original FF7 do you know? Ha, uh, I played on the Switch. Um, I okay. played up through um, Midgar, and okay. then... A- yeah, so, I mean, I-, I played everything that covered what... FF7R covers. Okay, so you don't okay. know where, like, stuff goes past that. Not really. I okay. mean, I, I know general, vague stuff, and obviously I know Aerith gets got. Yeah. Do, um, do you want but... us to avoid talking about that stuff? No, it's, it's a fucking, okay. it's a yeah. two-decade-old game. I don't yeah, care. Right. Okay. Yeah, because, yeah, like, the, the, the really neat thing about that is that it, it sets up, uh, it does a good job, sort of, setting up why Tifa... Well, well, hinting at why Tifa is is so pushy um, compared to Cloud. Yeah, because I'm curious how that squares if you know in advance that, like, Cloud and Tifa weren't really friends. They just kind of sort of knew each other. Uh, I, I almost think that, like, from my perspective, it was almost like Tifa kind of felt a, a little guilty uh-huh. uh, about what and regretted, like, uh, you know, disconnecting from, from Cloud like that for so many years. Yeah. Um. And so now she's almost like overcompensating based gotcha. on what's happening to him because, like, yeah. Uh. So she she's 
like it, it felt to me like she is trying to overcompensate and like try to you know make a connection with him hopefully to hopefully like if like, you bring saw like the kid that everybody stupor. picked on in high school and you're like oh hey you yeah we went to school together yeah we were friends right yeah yeah mm. uh, yeah exactly uh, I totally didn't uh, completely ignore you, and then you went off to be a sol- uh, to try and be a soldier and right. get involved in a, a horrific, <laughs> uh, horrific genetic experiments that yeah. left you basically brain dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that that's how I interpreted that scene, and, and I do think it it lends a lot to fleshing out sort of how how Tifa and Cloud are reacting differently to his whole situation. Um, yeah. Uh, I also really like... There's one thing that I... Sort of going back to how this how the game started with the reactor sequence, one thing I was kind of concerned about, um, even though I largely was not taking the um, nitpicks about the differences uh you know that people were seeing from the demo too seriously um one thing i was concerned about was when how they changed the explosion sequence where avalanche does not actually end up being responsible for the damage to midgar and it's secretly all a false flag plot uh by by shinra uh yeah and i'm curious to know how you two felt that plot line worked out because i'm a little mixed on it i Um, go ahead zoe oh i I was gonna say i'm also like i i don't hate it um i i definitely think it it gives like a little more like a personal stakes for avalanche because like they were being used as like you know pawns a little more directly um but it it also kind of takes away some of the bite of yes we are eco terrorists and yes there are going to be like you know some you know collateral damage some casualties but that is the choice that we are willing to make to stop this it kind of takes some of the teeth out from that statement which uh, was a pretty bold statement and now it's like it's cool to be playing a game starring like you know very like unabashedly anti-capitalist eco-terrorists in 2020 right that felt nice um but it definitely feels a little more toothless yeah uh, yeah go ahead yeah that that's sorry luke no no it's fine that that was sort of like my thought on it as well in that um like barrett's not really affected by that because his whole thing is like look we were expecting something like this might happen you know we like this is still the the right thing to do um but i think it's i feel like the game almost tries to undermine it a little too often both with uh jesse being extremely um self-conscious about you know the explode the explosive she's making um as well as tifa constantly going well is it worth it though <laughs> uh yeah which just feels very weird it's like lady what what'd you think you were gonna what was gonna happen when you let avalanche use your bar (laughs) you know yeah yeah um 
I don't think it really undercuts much, in part because they never find out that it was faked. Um, I think it's a clunky way to do what they're trying to do, though. I like the twist of, like, oh yeah, Shinra's actually willing to tolerate Avalanche's shenanigans because they can use it to drum up, like, uh, a war that will make them a ton of money. I think that's a good, like, bit of, like, yeah, that's a good addition to the plot. And, like, when Yuffie comes in in the next one, most likely, like, that'll be a good way to get her involved in it. Um... But the whole thing of, like, oh, our bomb went off, but it only did a little damage. Anyway, then their bomb went off and did big damage, but we're never going to talk about it again. It's just a weird way to do that. Like, have it be something where, like, Jesse can't hack through a door and then it opens on its own or something, you know? Let them still be the one that blew everything up, but let it be that Shinra was, like, kind of helping them along the way. Or, if you're going to have them do the thing where... Jesse's explosion was big enough, and then Shinra, like, made it bigger. Jesse has a whole huge side quest about, like, let's go get a weaker explosive so that that doesn't happen again. Maybe make that have consequences on the next reactor, where it's not a big enough explosion anymore or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, That that's what made that side quest with Jesse, as much as I really liked it for all the, like, character development it, it gave the Avalanche cast, uh, it also felt like a very weird like almost a, a pointless thing to be doing because it's like this, yeah because like you know as the player that like the bomb already wasn't strong enough like this isn't gonna do shit <laughs> like right um, um yeah so i think i would have preferred like your suggestion of you know you sort of shinra is you know secretly helping them like get to the core with plausibly deniable system malfunctions Right. I um I, I wanna just touching on that Jesse side quest. Um I well that's not even a side quest, is it? Like No, that, yeah, it's the yeah, main story. Yeah, it is a, I yeah, shouldn't yeah, have yeah, called yeah. a side quest. Um, it is a main story quest. No, I mean I, I was misremembering it too. Um but that is uh, I, I'm not sure if y'all you guys felt the same, but that is the like the, all the shit with Roche and like the motorcycle and the yeah. fu- that is the first time that game made me go. This game is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. like yeah. visuals and like what, like the choreography they're they're going for in the fights. I was just like all in on it. I was like, done, great. This game is fucking buck wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roche but- sucks, but he sucks in a way I love. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah he's the worst. Yeah. But I that makes it great to watch Cloud just beat the piss out of him. Yeah. That said, it wasn't that like surprising to me mostly because i had watched advent children already and advent children also includes a uh motorcycle fight with swords so like (laughs) no more has literally already done that before i was like okay yeah sure we're doing this again huh i was uh, really i was really surprised that at the end of the game they didn't have roche come back for that highway sequence yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, like, you're ready for round two, something. Cloud? Let's go! <laughs> this time I've um, got a giant mecha. I, well, you can um, even do something where, like, you fight him halfway and then the whispers throw him off the highway to get the real boss fight in or something, you know? <laughs> that would have been pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Um, I have just a, a fun little bit of uh, flavor for um, an interaction I've had with Final Fantasy VII. Uh, my partner, I love her dearly, um, we were talking about the remake, and she was just like, oh, man, I love that movie. 
And I was like, sorry? <laughs> and um, she goes, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. And I go, oh, you, you like that movie? Okay. Um, did you like the game too? She goes, never played the game. <laughs> I don't I don't know how you can even parse Advent Children without I, knowing I was something astonished. about the game. Yeah, um, but she, she likes it. Um, uh, and yeah, I was just like, are you, what the fuck? How? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Like, there are some good parts to that movie. Like, it, it has a pretty dope-ass Tifa fight. Um, mm. and it has, it does have an aforementioned motorcycle fight scene. But also, like, even for, even for Five Fantasy Seven fans, that game can kind of be incomprehensible for, like, a good half of it. Yeah. So that is does Cloud like, do like a weird thing with the Buster Sword where it like transforms at the end? Yeah, or something? so, so okay. he get so at uh, yeah like at the start of Advent Children, Cloud does not have his normal Buster Sword anymore. Instead, he has a oh. Buster Sword that is made out of seven other swords. Oh. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I think it's called the Buster Sword Mark Two. Hold on, let me see if I can find the wiki entry on okay. this. Uh, yeah. Just because I would say, my uh, only um, interaction with Advent Children is, like, catching, like, the end of it when the kids uh, in high school okay. hijack the film class's TV to watch it. It, it, yeah. is, it is called the Fusion Sword, um, and okay. it is a buster sword made out of seven other swords. Cool. Uh and at the end of the movie, he uses it to do Omni Slash version 6, where uh, he does multiple slash... He separates the, the fusion sword into its individual parts to slash with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> because we're full anime now. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's real dumb, and also I love it. Great. Uh, but oh, we yeah. started. We were talking about the Avalanche crew. Yeah. Um, who were the next character we wanted to get to? Um, let's let's talk about we because uh, let's talk about Barrett actually. Yeah. Because I think of of all the of all the characters in the game, I think, uh, I personally think that Barrett got more, uh, got more from the remake than almost anyone else. Um, if anything, he got a bunch in the American version because the American version of FF7 really leans into the Mr. T of it. Yeah, yeah, the American translation. And, like that's of there a Barrett bit in his performance. Not good. Uh, yeah, like that's there in the performance a little bit in the remake, but it's not as bad. Yeah, I, um, I, uh, so I will be happy to talk about Barrett. I like Barrett, but yeah. I, I don't think he got the. He, he got the most out of it. Honestly, Aerith was my big, like, yeah. total 180 on that character. That, that, that is a good secondary choice. I was yeah. I was kind of thinking close tie with Aerith as well, because I, I used to be pretty meh on Aerith, uh, and she's incredibly charming. Uh, in oh, I... God, I love Aerith. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, Barret, I... The, the parts that worked best for me with Barret, um... Uh, were it, the scenes with him and Marlene. Um, yeah. They do a really good job. Every time he gets to be like a father to Marlene, he's right. so sweet. And it's just really, like, it's adorable and it feels really honest and genuine in a way that I wasn't really expecting because, you know, he's so loud and kind of blustering. 
most of the other time. So like seeing him get kind of quiet and just like treat yeah. like treat her like gently kind of was just like oh yeah, it's good. Uh, the next remake is definitely gonna hit Barrett's backstory stuff. It's gonna be sad. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh huh. Listen, it wasn't fun when he lost his arm and got a machine gun arm. Oh man. What a good cool. time. Uh, yeah, I I really like how uh, Barrett's uh, relationship with Marlene uh, is handled. It's it's very cute, um, and I, I think does a lot to show Barrett as like this really nuanced character who isn't just yeah. like the the big tough terrorist guy. Mm-hmm. Like he has his moments of, of weakness uh, and softness, and is and is honestly probably more like the person he is with Marlene like in in his real life uh at least the impression I got is that he feels more like he is forced to take on the persona of Avalanche Barrett because of this task mm-hmm. he has given himself and like I don't if know you were... you're talking about Dustin uh dudes putting on facades of masculinity is not a theme of FF7 at all <laughs> <laughs> And that, like, if if he if he weren't having to do this and could just live a normal life, Barrett would act more uh, like he does around Marlene, Marlene like in yeah. his everyday life. Um, and I think that's really cool. Um, uh, also, I, I, one thing I, I want to bring up right here, since we are talking about Barrett, uh, it is it is something that I really want bring up on this podcast because I do not have uh, Sierra, my co-host of Gotcha Journalism with me, but uh, she told me something when uh, I would, I talked to her about FF7 that I had never heard, I had never even considered before. Uh-huh. So when she played FF7 for the first time and she got to like seventh heaven and like, you know, met, met Barrett and Tifa uh, and they interacted. Um, she thought that Barrett and Tifa were a couple and marlena was their child if i didn't already know they weren't i would have assumed the same thing in the remake version yeah the remake they have doesn't really do anything to dissuade that opinion tifa acts a lot like marlena's her kid yeah I, i i definitely think if you look if you come at it from the dynamic of like tifa being motherly towards marlene yes but as far as like tifa and bear it 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 doesn't feel like there's like much of a like beyond like friendship um there to me i I don't think i would have maintained that impression the whole game but i definitely would have gotten that impression yeah Yeah. right at the front yes yeah yeah it's it's just it's just something funny because like i never considered it before but then when i thought about it i was like okay yeah i can totally see how you might get that impression from the early stages of Midgar, because, mm-hmm. like, they don't really do much to clarify what that relationship is at the start. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, next, I, I think, well, we we sort of brought up... Oh, Actually, real but... quick, before we get off of Barrett, I do want to say, I'm yeah. so mad at them for making him such a dummy at the end of the game when you're at the top of Shinra Tower. Yeah. Like, I saw your tweet about this. Like, I, I agree. He should have just fucking capped that dude. Like, he right has there. a, like, late middle-aged man at gunpoint, and he manages to uh, have the better gotten of him. Like, why? Yeah. 
it, it also doesn't make sense for Barrett to like fall prey to that. Oh, what if we kill him, we'd be just as bad as Shinra. Like, yeah, Barrett no. would not think that for a second. <laughs> like, he literally like, gave that speech in the elevator about how anyone who works for like you know a capitalist nightmare company is complicit in their deeds. Like, yeah, yeah, I. I, I that really pissed me off as well because it felt like just a violation of of Barrett's character up till then. Like, it just... well, because Barrett's whole like demand in that scene is he says like, "What I want you to do is go on TV and tell everyone that you've been smearing us and that you're like evil and all that." Uh, and then Shinra guy pulls a gun on him. It should have just been Shinra guy like has no choice but to agree. And then as they're getting ready to go on camera, he gets got by Sephiroth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you can't I mean, stop it, Sephiroth. It, <laughs> right. It's pretty clear the only reason they did it is so that they could have the bit where the Whisper, like, brings Barrett back so they can be like, wow, the Whispers, it looks like they aren't evil. Yeah. What are I, they doing? I mean, you can, you can still... do that other ways. Oh, yeah, yeah no, like... I, I, no, I am not, I, I think that what they did was super clumsy. I just also yeah. no, see sure. why, why they came to that conclusion. Yeah, like, you could have Barrett standing behind uh, the Shinra guy, the Shinra president, while he's about to, like, make his speech, and then Sephiroth, because his sword is crazy long, it just stabs through right. both of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. you have a kebab. Yeah. Yeah. It's all festive. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's also, listen, this is definitely not a problem that this game invented by any means. How dangerous a gun is changes from scene to scene. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> like, that's... in gameplay, you'll have three machine guns shooting you all at the same time, and it's, like, an annoyance that you need to deal with. Shinra guy will pull out a pistol, and Barrett will be forced into inaction. Yeah, that's that's Final Fantasy. It's it's a thing that happens in FF10 as well. Or like I guess to be fair, they made his pistol gold. He clearly has the golden gun from Goldeneye. So yeah. you know what can you do? Uh, so I, I was about to say let, let's let's start talking about Aerith because we mentioned her, but actually we should probably touch on Tifa first. Tifa, yeah, um, yeah, because I like Tifa a lot, but also I don't think this game really. I don't like this version of Tifa that much. Yeah, there's... I I don't dislike her, um, but yeah, she's definitely... She's a the, pill! She's real yeah, boring, and very she's conflicted on Tifa. The, the, the idea of Tifa is stronger than the actual execution of Tifa, except the context of actual gameplay in which case, she whips ass. Right. Yeah. The thing yeah. I've had to learn over the course of playing FF7 for the first time and then playing this is that Tifa and Aerith have reverse personalities yep. of what people, like, talk about them as having. Yeah. Where, like, Tifa is the reserved, kind of, like, you know, quiet, mopey one, and Aerith is the fun, goofy one. Um, and, like, I think Tifa has, like, fun moments. Um, mm. But... But yeah, it's, uh, she's too, like, you mentioned how she's, like, motherly towards Marlene. She's too motherly. Um, yeah. In, like, all, almost every sense. Like, she, the handful of times that, you know, she kind of puts down her guard, she's able to have fun. Like, when she and Aerith kind of pull Cloud into the honeybee. Um, like, stuff like that. Um, wait, no, Tifa wasn't there. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's another time where she and Aerith, kind of fuck with cloud and it's fun i'm yeah. trying to remember probably in the sewers i'm guessing yeah 
Um, but uh, it, it's just, it's like little blips in a sea of just like, oh, God, I hope everything's okay. Oh, yeah. like, are, are you all right, Cloud? Uh. Yeah. In the early going, just every time Jesse showed up, it was like, why can't you be the main girl yep. right now and not? Yeah. So much yeah. more fun. I was about to say, like, as much as I love what they did with Jesse, I kind of wish, like, that's the direction they had taken, like, Tifa mm-hmm. in. Um, because... Like, the only argument against that would be that Aerith already is kind of, like, goofy and flirty, yeah. and Jesse is True. way more flirty than Aerith, but it would be kind of two of the same character to different degrees yeah that's true um i so my ideal so i will say um having you know somewhat recently uh come out as a uh as a trans lesbian lady i um i've felt more comfortable like shipping characters and everything uh-huh. and this game made uh, Aerith and Tifa, that is the first ship that I'm just like, all aboard, motherfucker. Like, done. <laughs> yes. That, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they, because uh, the, the dream scenario is Aerith and Tifa because they balance each other out. Sure. And then Jesse gets to be fucking super horny for Cloud. And that's done. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and like, they, they do, um, th- there are honestly like quite a few scenes that Tifa and Aerith get together where yep. like they they get to be sort of uh, goofy and and play and play off each other real well um, to an extent that I was not expecting because like they don't really interact that much in the original FF seven. No, because the original FF seven has the like constant like Betty or Veronica thing of them. Yeah, like, which of these video ladies do you want to date? Yeah, and they and thankfully don't really do that in the remake. Yeah, instead it's like these ladies are doing their best to try and turn Cloud into a normal person. Uh, but also they're into each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume um, the next one is going to have to do that a little bit because the Golden yeah. Saucer, like, ride, like, the magical date ride you have. Yeah, I am, I yeah, I'm curious how they're going to... I imagine they'll probably make that more straightforward than they did in the past because, like, in, in the yeah. original FF7, there was a really weird, complex affection system that oh, invisibly right. calculated the points you saved up that the affection points you got with the other with all the other characters and that right. that decide your date um ff10 also had a similar system but was a little yeah, more straightforward they might just turn it into hey who do you want to ride the ferris wheel with yeah, yeah. um so did you were both of you aware at least this is what i've been told um when you in the sewers when you pick who you check in on first, uh-huh. Aerith or Tifa, that plays in in the final fight. Uh, um, really? Uh, yeah, whoever you pick first is the um, is the last person to join the squad. Like they oh. show up, um, and the order flips. You know, depending on who you pick. That makes and sense. I, I went with Tifa, which led to the wonderful scene of Aerith being the first one to show up with Cloud. Uh-huh. And I, if you didn't see that. Um, Aerith joins the, you know, joins her. She's like, hey, get up. Come on. We gotta fight him. And uh, she's like, hey, miss me? And Cloud just goes, not a bit. <laughs> and then Aerith goes like, ha. And he goes, hey, this guy's really tough. <laughs> and Aerith goes, yeah, who cares? Let's get him. Oh, yeah, no, I have, I did get yeah, this. Yeah, I got says, that same scene. So did we right, all yeah, choose to check in says, with Tifa first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't say who cares. She says, eh, screw him. 
Oh yeah, screw him. That's it. Yeah, and I was just like the 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 idea of Aerith of all characters looking at like God Sephiroth, going, "Eh, screw this guy. Let's get him." Yeah, <laughs> it's just this. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I know we're technically talking about Tifa, but that brings up something I really love what they did with Aerith, and it's one of the it's like the first time I sort of realized that oh okay, I might actually like be into what they're doing with Aerith in this game. Is, is it when, when she said the cuss word? Yes, it's when you're traveling so across good. the rooftops and she nearly falls and she just says shit. <laughs> and it's very funny. It, it, like, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like... There are a few moments in the game where it's just like, okay, yeah, I get it. You can use the cuss words. It's fine. Right. Um, but that one is very much just a, like a, a great natural just shit. Yeah. They should have, um, in keeping with the original FF7, they should have bleeped all the cuss words. <laughs> No, it would have been a brutal legend. The game freezes when Aerith's ladder starts falling. Would you like Aerith to cuss? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Who would Jack Black play in Final Fantasy VII? Uh, Uh, Sid. Shit, I would actually love that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Um, my, My answer, just because, like, the type of character Jack Black has played many times, would be Wedge. Yeah, yeah, That's he would he would make a pretty good wedge. Yeah, uh, but man, I I would I would love if we if during the next game, whatever game we get sit in, is if we just heard Jack Black's voice coming out of his mouth. That would be <laughs> very funny. <laughs> did you, did it also you know that... it also might make oh. me actually give a shit about FF Seven, Sid. <laughs> I. I legitimately, because like I said, I only got a little bit into FF7. Um, Some people were talking on Twitter and they were like, because, you know, Red 13 is like a guest character. Um, Right. And uh, they were like, I wonder if they're going to do that with, you know, any of the other party members, like not have them be like fully fledged. And they were like, is it going to be Yuffie? Is it going to be Vincent? Uh, Is it going to be Sid? And I was just like, well, I literally didn't know Sid was a party member in Final Fantasy VII until this tweet. So... (laughs) I think if there's going to be one, it's that guy. But here's so, the thing, Zoe. He's not, not an optional is, party member, though. Yeah, yet not only is he a party member, he you, like, control Sid. He's the lead party member for a what? chunk of the game. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? How there's, I, a, like, I, there, there's a point where Cloud is, is no longer able to be a main character, and Sid takes the reins, basically. Yeah, like, Cloud, Cloud goes missing, and you play as Tifa for a while, but then you find Cloud, and he is like comatose in a wheelchair and she's like i'm sorry i have to stay with cloud and like tend to him and uh sid becomes the main guy that's that's fucking wild because like i you know never playing ff7 for you know ever through like cultural osmosis absorbed like you know yeah all the main cast plus like vincent he's the vampire man who had the spinoff yuffie is the punky little thief lady like i knew that Literally didn't know Sid exists. Here, uh, here's that's the thing that about part of the Sid. game's not any good. <laughs> yeah, and also like the thing about Sid is that he's boring and he sucks. <laughs> also that uh, Sid's entire character is wants to go to space and is an abusive jerk to people that make it hard for him to go to space. Oh, that sucks. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, no, he's he's an asshole. Like that's the re- that's probably the reason why you didn't realize Sid was a party member because no one actually cares about him. <laughs> Yeah. enough to actually talk about him like like they're gonna have to soften him up in the remake right i would so, hope so mean to that one researcher lady 
Yeah, he like I hope they do because otherwise, like it's gonna be real rough having him in the party. Like you won't want to. Yeah. You'll be like, can we just ditch this guy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I feel if anything is a guest character in the next game, it's gonna be Ketchi. Because like, how the fuck yeah. do you make that dude mm, work? Yeah. How weird is it that they kept in that one shot of, <laughs> yeah. of like, you animals, you blew it all up. I mean, yeah. it's just Except zero it's a stuffed animal doing it. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized, Zoe, you might not know that Ketchy is all over this game and not just in that one scene. Oh, no, I, I, I know the whole thing. Like, okay. With, yeah, I, I know who, who he is. All right. Um, but, like, just, like, if I didn't know that. The idea of, like, like I have a buddy who is playing this for the first time, never played Final Fantasy VII, doesn't know shit about it. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to get to that part to be like, what the fuck was the cat? What was <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is uh, definitely, like, the one, one of the few scenes in the game where, like, if you haven't played FF7, it's just completely bizarre. Yeah. Um, which is funny because like it takes place during a sequence that I think is handled even better than it was in general in the original game, like the plate dropping. Um, yeah, because like thanks to the the other stuff that the game had you do in the slums, like that mm-hmm. matters a whole lot more now. I agree. I was also the plate drop happens past the point where the game was starting to actively get on my nerves, though. So yeah, I was like I, less charitable to it. That is that is fair. Uh, like I, I know we're going character by character, but can we just talk about the pacing in this game real quick? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's, it's real rough. We talked already. Like that opening section in the slums is kind of slow. You're hanging out with people. You're getting to know folks. I liked that stuff. Even though I didn't do it all, like, I appreciated that. It felt appropriate. Once you do the uh, Don Corleone... What's his fucking name? Don Corneo. Don Corneo. Once you do that stuff, and you find out that, oh, uh, they're planning to drop the plate on Sector 7, uh, we gotta get over there quick and help them. The pacing of the game just turns awful, because every dungeon is so long, yeah. and even when they, like, take time to do, like, little fun character moments, like Aerith and Tifa, like, talking about how they're gonna go shopping later, like, that's a cute scene out of context, but the entire time, I'm just like, you guys, there is, like, a ticking clock, this is so stressful and boring and annoying, please, can we just do this? Yeah. Uh, the the big one that got me, that I was just like, I wanna... I just want to fucking be out of here. I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Was the second uh, sewers trip. That was... Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. That was interminable. Hey, okay, Dustin, you're the Final Fantasy lore keeper. Yeah. Is, is Leslie anybody? No, he does not exist in the original FF7. Why is he in this game? I do not know. D- I, I think... I think Tetsuya Nomura just likes making characters that look like... Uh, that looked like Kingdom Hearts Riku, because like he just he's done that so many times now. <laughs> as soon Leslie as he just shows up, Riku. I'm like, as soon as I sh- he showed up, I'm like, well, this is weird. You're way too pretty to just be a throwaway character. Uh, what's your deal? <laughs> your hair then, is styled like, too perfectly. And then they parcel his deal out so slowly, and they make and it's you not particularly interesting. <laughs> no, like... he just wants revenge for his wife. It's the most, like, boilerplate motivation. Which is so dumb, because FF7 already includes a wife revenge story. Vincent gets it. <laughs> like, 
Oh, is that Vincent's deal? I didn't do Vincent's stuff. Yeah, Vincent's Vincent's whole deal is that like he was in love with uh, Lucretia, um, but uh... Uh, but Hojo ended and and Lucretia was in love with him, but Hojo ended up cucking him, uh, and Lu- and using <laughs> Lucretia to experiment with Genova, right? Uh, and uh, Sephiroth is actually Lucretia and Hojo's kid. I see. Mm. um made from genova genova cells um and so like lucretia obviously ended up dying and uh, due to the experimentation hojo did like vincent becomes like a weird yeah like monster boy they don't get into it i feel like they imply that uh that was not a voluntary thing on lucretia's part no no it was not um i mean in the original game the way they introduce hojo is by him trying to make eric Aerith and red 13 fuck so you know <laughs> yeah man. glad they did not do that in the remake because that Real was glad they did awkward <laughs> that's such a weird beat in the original yeah i will say um uh red 13 in this game looks fucking incredible oh i love him shit um uh, he's so precious also, ha- has some real nice moments and then also some of the worst like yeah i get it you can cuss stop it <laughs> um when when like he's shit talking barrett in the truck in fairness that kind of suits red 13's character for reasons he- that'll come up in the second one okay because his whole uh- thing is that he is like a little baby boy who wants to seem like he's a tough gruff old dude Oh, okay. And then, like, you get um, to his hometown, and everyone treats him like a little baby boy. Come home finally, and he's like, "Guys, yeah. stop! My friends think oh, I'm cool." I, mm, I, I was gonna like, I was gonna say maybe I should play Final Fantasy VII, but then I realized I literally downloaded Final Fantasy IX last night from Game Pass. <laughs> you, so. should, you should play FF Nine. I think it's an yeah, overall that's, that's better what game. Heard. And yeah. then play FF Ten. <laughs> Make um, me happy, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I I so I will say FF10. I bounced the fuck off that game when I first tried it because of Titus. Um, but I was like twelve. Yeah, and I haven't touched it since. Yeah. So I think it's next time they have a fucking sale in the eShop and I can get like ten and ten two for twenty bucks or whatever, I'll grab it. Yeah. The the thing. I promise I'll go back to FF7, but you know I gotta do this, Luke. So the thing <laughs> oh, about yeah, yeah. T- the thing it. about Titus is I think very much similar to how people react to Shinji if they're young from from Evangelion, and that mm. like if you're young, t- both Titus and Shinji are like, oh, what's wrong with you? You suck. Why is this guy the main character? But what much like with Shinji, when I got older, I appreciated both of their character arcs a lot more. Because I think Titus's character arc is actually like a really good examination of like uh, complex relationships with a you know father who was like sometimes abusive to you, and like trying to get over those feelings you had and reconcile them. Uh-huh. Uh And I love Titus a whole lot. <laughs> is so. it is it Titus or Titus? It, I say it is it, Titus, but people say Titus. It's technically okay. Titus, but also I reject that because they never actually say his name, so it doesn't have to be Titus. Okay, yeah, no, Titus is way better. Like I'm not gonna fight. On yes. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. So anyway, let's talk about Eris. <laughs> you motherfucker. Um, <laughs> See, I don't actually care about that fight. <laughs> 
Aerith rules. Like, like I fucking love that lady. She's, no, she's one of my great. favorite video game characters in ages. I uh, I've mentioned this to um, Molly and Ashley. There's a part of me that like resists it a little bit because it feels like Aerith is designed from the ground up to just be the video game girl you love. But like, she is, also it's, it's the successful. Baby, the baby Yoda conundrum. Yeah, she she yeah. she rides that line of being a manic manic pixie dream girl without ever actually falling Crossing into that it, trap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like she's um, she's baby Yoda except she's a baby Yoda they want you to dream about smooching. Well, uh, mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> I um I will say mm, horny uh, you as, are. Nope. Don't. Oh mm. god, it's a baby. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say as we as we covered on uh, Totally Reprise Way, unfortunately, Aerith is canonically a chaser. So <laughs> I do have to cancel her. She is extremely <laughs> horny for Cloud and Drag. Yeah, she's just like she's just like, ooh, baby. And I'm just I I went like, mm, you're a little too excited about this, Aerith. Yeah, yeah. Do we wanna talk about that? Just get that sequence out of the way. Sure. Sure, why not? It's... I think it's fine. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it. I described it as it was like a corporate gay pride parade. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's utterly like there's no message there other than woo acceptance. Um, and, but I mean, and there's nothing bad in there, but also there's nothing to like celebrate. Yeah, yeah, I think the worst thing about it is the people treating it like it was something revolutionary. Yeah, which it no, it is not. Right. Yeah, I I think I react I reacted slightly more negatively to it, um, because I, I wish that Cloud had had a little more agency and actually you know yeah cho- choosing that as a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's I mean just based on my personal biases, like I. I consider myself to be a demi boy, and like I, mm-hmm. the sort of, that sort of situation would be kind of horrifying to me if I was forced into it like Cloud was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I totally see that. Like, it would take <laughs> yeah. one line of dialogue to ease that tension. Well, yeah, I, I, I think like after the fact, the the bit when he goes like, I, I, I'm not trying to take away from your, like, issues, Dustin, you, they are absolutely legitimate, they should have made it more clear in the moment, but I think the part after the fact where, like, Tifa goes like, oh my, Cloud, you're, and he's just like, yeah, I'm rocking it, I look great, whatever, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think yeah, that, I, that line does a lot to make me rec- retroactively more, maybe, like, retroactively more okay with it than I was yeah. initially. Yeah. Um, so I do think that line was a very good idea to put in there. And it's really funny. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was great. Uh, especially since this is so unexpected coming from Cloud, because, like, Cloud yeah. doesn't make jokes. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I, oh, I wish there was also, a little bit more of that leading up to mm-hmm. the sequence. Um, also, the sequence itself, like, as gameplay, fucking the worst rhythm game in the <laughs> it's, universe. It's so really bad. bad. It is the same rhythm game as the Kingdom Hearts 2 Little Mermaid world. Ugh. But somehow um, worse because it's even harder to see when the it, when you have to hit the button. Yeah. So I I did come out of that wondering like okay, this is visually very impressive, like like it looks pretty stunning. I wonder what like if one of those like Persona dancing games they made if they like threw this budget at them, what the fuck would that look like? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Um, cause it, it was like, even if it was a horrible game to play watching it, I was just like, damn, this looks so pretty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that said, if, if, if they made another persona dancing all night game with a story with the same quality as the original, I don't think any graphical improvements would help that game. Oh, I'm sure the story is horrendous. <laughs> it's I... real. As someone who played through that game, big Risei Kujikawa fan, very bad, not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> So I so you're saying I should buy the Persona Three and Persona Five ones? They did. Uh, I don't know. I never bought it with the with Dancing Moon Knight <laughs> or whatever the fuck those things were. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's something about that whole like wall market section too, where like they know that you know that it's going to end with Cloud cross dressing, and they're constantly trying to be cute about like foreshadowing it, where everyone's just like, "Oh man, I Cloud, you got to man up and help me." Collect these eggs so the Chocobo man will like you, or fucking whatever, you know? Yeah. Like they're constantly talking about manliness in that whole section in a way that I'm like, yeah, I get it, guys. Can we just kind of move along here? Get, get get to your thing. Come on. Yeah. It, at least um, at least there's not, like, the, like, really awful gay panic sequence in the gym like there was no, in the, the no, original. Yes. So they removed that, thankfully. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I will say um, the... Madam M bit leading up to it. Did either of y'all pick the um the like luxury massage? Yes, I, could I not did. Afford the luxury massage. <laughs> I what? I did pick the luxury mm. option. I made the mistake of selecting that when my partner was in the room. Oh boy! He, um, she gives Cloud a hand massage so good he basically comes in his pants. You might say she gives him a hand job. Yes, Fuck you. I would yes. not say that. <laughs> Uh, I did the budget I'm... massage because it was all I could afford, and she basically breaks his hand. <laughs> and then he comes out, like, shoulder sl- Honestly, I don't like the joke because he comes out, like, shoulder slumped, rubbing his hand. She's like, it'll feel better the next time we do it. And Eric's oh. like, what happened in there? And Cloud mm. just says, I don't want to talk about it. Like, they're Red almost flag, making it like, flag. like yeah. she assaulted him in a way. Like, that's not oh. a cool joke, guys. Bad. Okay. Because I did kind of, as go- as incredibly goofy and stupid as it was, I did kind of like the luxury joke. Uh, yeah. That I budget joke is not if, very good. No. I would have liked it more if my partner wasn't, like, she was playing Animal Crossing and she was just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? What is this? What are you, what are you playing? Oh, you know, it's the remake of Advent Children. Uh, The Witcher? Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, no. Uh, I did like that is one sequence I thought was kind of funny. Um in like a, a non weird way at least. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Walmart sequence, kind of a mixed bag. Similarly mixed bag, I like the idea behind the tournament. A lot of very funny and goofy stuff in there. Uh also kind of too long, and the Hell House fight kinda sucks. Uh, oh, wrong. I love yeah. The wrong. Hell House fight fucking whips ass. The Hell House fight rules. I I eventually figured out how that like third phase was supposed to work, but uh, for first two phases, I was having a lot of fun. Last phase, kind of a pain in the ass. I didn't figure it out at all. I one shotted it, and I understood like halfway through the fight. Oh, I'm supposed to have like every element of a spell here. Well, I've only got fire, so I gotta make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I tried to always roll with, like, you know, all of the elements covered as best I could, so I figured it out, but it was just, yeah. it was so crazy, like, like, here's a house, 
it's evil. <laughs> um, and because I didn't remember that shit at all. Yeah. Um, it, it and does it just fun. It does make me excited to see what they're gonna do with the ghost ship that randomly appears in a sh- underwater Shinra tunnel. Oh great! In the original game. Thank you for I, making me know what, like, an entire dungeon of the game is going to be in FF7R15. Oh, yeah, man. They're really going to expand that underwater tunnel, aren't they? Who boy. Yeah. Do you think the sequel is going to be, like, FF7 Rebuild? Maybe. Um, I do, um, I do want to say, like, we mentioned it earlier with, like, the Roche fight, but the way this game interweaves, um like actual gameplay with cinematics yeah is fucking stunning yeah it's really good like i was like i caught myself being like oh my god multiple times just because it it was so seamless and it looked great and ah that game looks beautiful also uh god bless them for rendering all the cutscenes in real time because it meant that i got to see cloud doing a bunch of cool shit with a baseball bat (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite things, is that, like, the, the weapon... He's, like, cutting a bullet in half with a baseball bat. It's great. Yeah, and you can, like, even see your equipped materia, too. Like, it's an, yeah. it's, it, it's basically meaningless, but it's a neat little touch that I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I do ha- take umbrage with the, the bat, though, because the nails are in the wrong way. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Nail bat's supposed to have the nails poking out, so it's like a mace. Right. Yeah, well, see, Cloud made it himself, so he doesn't really get <gasps> Oh, he's it... very stupid. He yeah, just okay. heard the word nail bat, and it's like, well, I just gotta pound some nails into a bat, right? I mean, that still wouldn't be great to get hit by. No. no. Oh, no. I mean, a regular bat wouldn't be great to be hit by. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but especially, also... Especially, especially not when wielded by Cloud. <laughs> Okay, now what would be worse to get hit by, a bat or a knife? <laughs> well, the Buster Sword is basically just a big knife. Yeah. Well, yeah. What is a sword if not a large knife? Yeah, I was gonna say it's really a question of nail bat or bat nail. What? Hold, hold. Ex- excuse me. I'm saying the Buster Sword is a nail the size of a bat. Ah. Uh... It's a lot bigger than a bat is. Also, well, nails it's... typically don't have a cutting edge on them. They're just all right. Pointy. You know, if you're gonna nitpick and criticize instead of trying to be constructive, now, I don't it, have now, to be now if he had a Buster Rapier, then your joke would work. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because that would be a nail the size of a bat. Um, but it's not so much the Buster Sword. Um, all right. What 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 sword did you? Okay, what sword did you all keep Cloud equipped with most of the time? Whatever the newest one I found was. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, the, I actually didn't use the bat as much because the heavy attack was that, like, wind up, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the aesthetics of the bat, but I hated its uh, power attack. Um, yep. Like, as soon as I, as soon as I uh, like, learned the new, like, passive ability from one weapon i would usually just go back to the hard edge um because i really mm-hmm. liked uh that weapon but for like the last parts of the game i used the like really fancy one that that gives you like the the sort of like magic wind attack or that's whatever the, that was that's the one you find like in hojo's lab right yeah uh, yeah i think yeah. so 
Yeah, uh, I, I really like the aesthetics on that sword. Um, I'm gonna say, I could have done without the weapon upgrade system. The, so, yes, I agree, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing, the menu was a nightmare to navigate. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's basically just the Crystarium from FF13, and yep, still true. <laughs> sucks. Um, but I was excited, I liked the, like, each weapon had its own skill attached to it, and you had to use the skill yeah. to learn it, which then I learned is from FF9, which made me go, oh, damn, maybe I should play FF9. <laughs> uh yeah you definitely should um yeah i i do like how uh i i really like how combat works in this game honestly I, it's fun yeah i i like the combat system i i just i do kind of wish there was a setting between easy and normal uh-huh um, yeah. easy because yes easy <laughs> <laughs> uh, because normal like in in a lot of places was just a little too hard like i i recall the place when i because i started on normal and the place where i first pushed it down to easy was um during your trek to the sector five reactor i believe it was uh-huh. and you're like navigating the the platforms that are high in the air and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. dealing with like the the bug monsters or whatever the the hell those things mm-hmm. were that poison right. you and do a shitload of damage. Um, those were really frustrating to fight. Yeah. Uh, so and, and like there was one there was one sequence where like I, I just kept having to like chain revive people and it was just awful. So I switched it down to easy and I just kind of never went back because i was worried like if i switched to normal i just end up getting really frustrated again because i had no Mm. way there was no real like decent indication of well maybe it was just those monsters that were like weirdly difficult and i'd be fine later on um but yeah but easy ended up being like slightly too easy Mm -hmm. um i'm glad that sort of mode exists i just wish that like normal was closer to the hard mode and that there was an actual normal mode somewhere in between yeah yeah um my thing with the combat is that i like it and i like the big boss fights where they're very long and involved and take a lot of time and consideration Mm -hmm. except there's so many boss fights there are so many especially at the end well, and, like, going back to the, like, the lead-up to the plate drop, it's like you go, you get dropped from the sewer, you do a boss fight. Is there another boss fight in the sewer or no? I... Uh, yeah, you fight the, the, shit, there's, no, that's when Corneo drops you in there, the, the gross right. yeah, yeah, slobber yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah. You fight him, it's really long, and, like, then you get out of the sewer, I'm like, oh, thank God we're out of the sewer, ah, fuck, we're in the train. I think there's door. a, I think at some point there's a Sahagan boss fight. Uh-huh. I don't like, know. Like with is. the Sahagan the, prince, like the fish. Oh no, people. that's that's an optional. That's the oh. that's something you do for a side quest. Oh, okay. Uh, that's that's when you get like Corneo's vault keys. Oh, okay. Um, but which, like just like you go into the train graveyard and now you gotta do a whole nother fucking dungeon with no downtime between the two and with that like ticking clock making everything really pressured. And then they give you another boss fight, and it takes it's really long and involved, and like mechanically it's well designed but i'm like no i'm kind of done with the train graveyard yeah. now can we finish please and you beat it and you get outside and it like 
Oh, new section. Reunion with friends. Oh, great, we're done. Nope, there's a whole nother leg of the train graveyard with another boss fight that's really long and involved and complicated. Like, I just don't care. Go away, you skeleton. Honestly, I wish the first boss fight, that first ghost boss fight was taken out uh, because Mm -hmm. the second ghost boss fight with the chariot boy is way more interesting and better. Yeah. I, okay. Maybe it is obnoxious that I keep trying to punch this game up, but it's what I tend to, like, reflexively do. Have you go to the train graveyard early on and when, like, you're goofing around in Sector 7, do the ghost boss fight then. Then when you get out of the sewers, you're back in the train graveyard, that ghost friend shows up to guide you through so you can skip all that stuff. Oh, but you get stopped by the chariot skeleton. Yeah, what, what's interesting is that they even hint at, like, the train graveyard really early on, like, after you get yeah. off the train and are heading to Sector 7 for the first time. Well, um, in, uh, in like, the original, you, you, you can, can just you... go to the train graveyard immediately. There's no good reason to, but you can. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can you can talk to NPCs in the remake, and they'll talk, say stuff about the graveyard, and uh, people went missing yeah. there. Pretty spooky. Like, it's it's weird that they don't have you at least go in there. Uh, for one of the Sector 7 slum side quests to, like, do a little little bit of stuff in there. Because, man, they try to shove it all in in that one sequence, and it does not work. And it's all intercut with cutscenes of your friends getting shot, and I don't know why you expect me to care about this ghost child while that's happening. Yeah, it's like, I gotta save Jesse. So, the the combat, like, talking about, like, the boss fights and everything, I think the combat systems themselves, super fun. Like, yeah. you look very cool, it's very satisfying. Um, the issue is the combat encounter designed. Um, there, especially in the sewers, there were times where, like, I was in a room with, like, six enemies. Four of them could either put me to sleep or turn me into a frog, and the other yeah. two yeah. were those crabs that uh, block physical attacks. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And it was just like, this is a fucking nightmare. Like, stop this. Um, because, like, you can't do any of your cool shit because three of the enemies are trying to turn you into a frog, and then Tifa's asleep, and then Cloud can't hit the crab with his big ol' sword, and, yeah, it's just, it's the specific enemies and the status effects they can cause not being, like, doled out well. Yeah, Yeah, it's also kind of frustrating if you're trying to use a character like Aerith, because there's not, there's not really an aggro mechanic, so much mm-hmm. so like the 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 enemies mostly just like start they mostly prefer to attack whatever character you're controlling so right. if you switch to era suddenly the big bad boss is like i'm gonna smack the girl with the stick <laughs> i think there uh, is a taunt materia yeah but it's very restrictive it only activates if you are below a certain health threshold oh uh... It only, I think it only lasts for a certain period of time on the character that's equipped on, and there is a cooldown for it. If I, I remember right, I think one of um, uh, Barrett's weapon skills is a taunt, also because he he is one hundred percent the tank. Like, right. Yeah. Um. I I think he has an additional taunt mechanic, but yeah, what I would always end up doing is just. Um, like, swap on to Aerith for, like, you know, a spell or two, and then immediately swap back to Cloud or Tifa. Um, um, that's that's it, what I would do yeah. until I got uh, the staff that had Ray of Judgment on it, and then Aerith becomes your main wrecking ball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just stagger every enemy in a straight line. 
Yeah, that that one's real good. Uh, like slap down the one area of effect that lets you double your spell usage, then just go to town. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like how they made the characters distinguish, because that was one of my main issues with the original FF7, is that it felt a little too blank slate with how you could make the characters. Yeah. Um, and, like, while you can still put any materia on any character, they also have inherent abilities that, like, kind of yeah. guide you in certain directions. And you can, like, you can make Barrett into a magic user, and he'll be able to do I that, did. like, perfectly fine. Um, so you still definitely got that freedom, but also, like, you're encouraged to still use them for specific tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, I, I, I like it when characters do unique things. <laughs> Weird. Do we want to get into, like, the big story, like, the, the remake part of this? Yeah. Um, I think we've skipped a really important part of this game that we need to talk about first, and that's Johnny. Oh, fuck character. Johnny. Jesus. Fuck him. Why is he here? So Johnny he... Johnny does appear throughout the game in, in the original FF7 just randomly. Wait, he does? Yeah, like, you, you can find him in um in Costa del Sol, and, like, at one point he, he gets, like, his own, like, beach house or whatever. Uh, wow, okay. Uh, or, or something like that, I, I think. Uh, but yeah, he's he's just kind of like a random like dude who's more like a a recurring Easter egg, sure for people who go around talking to everybody in town. Uh, but yeah, they make him an actual character in in this game, and I don't he know why. So obnoxious. He sucks. He's the worst, especially during the wall market section. Uh huh. I so I um oh one big gripe I have with this game is the saves. Um, I lost about two or three hours of progress um, because I had a rough fight in the, um, in the arena in Wall Market and I just didn't bring the right material. And I was like, okay, I'll just start like, you know, uh, just back out. And so I did load from checkpoint, which I figured cause it says Uh saving every time you like sit down on a bench. I figured it would be the bench before the fight. Uh huh. It was the last chapter break. <laughs> so I had to go through all of the Johnny shit twice. Ugh. It sucked. Yeah, I I went through all the Walmart. I had to actually go through all the Walmart stuff again myself because um, I, I was going through it and uh, I, I mentioned to my friend Aaron, like, oh, yeah, I just finished up, like, the wall just finished up the Don Corneo stuff about to head out. And he was like, did you do the extra arena stuff? I'm like, no. Uh, he's like, yeah, you, if you want to unlock like the extra limit breaks for Aerith, you, you want to, you want to do that. And I'm like, do I ever get to go back there with Aerith? And he's like, not until you finish the game. I'm like, Oh, Okay, so <laughs> to get the extra, because like it's true, like you don't ever get to go back there with Aerith unless you've already until the post game. So like I had to go through that entire Walmart sequence again, uh, uh, in because that was like where my most recent save was, um, in order to actually unlock 
those new limit breaks and uh it went thankfully at least it went by quicker the the second time because i just skipped through all the yeah. cutscenes. but still and I also i knew like i didn't yeah. have to go running around wall market being like where the fuck are they trying to get me to go to talk to this person to get to the next step of the johnny quest? yeah yeah oh i just uh gave up on the johnny quest <laughs> it's optional but i had to i had to do the all the side quests. Yeah, you got you got to get Aerith, you got to get Aerith the best dress. That doesn't affect that at all. Uh-huh. Oh, it doesn't. The, I thought the quest the quest in her home sector would affect that. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what happens for doing all the wall market quests. I don't know either. There's a lot of mm-hmm. there's apparently a lot of stuff about this game that I don't know. <laughs> In terms yeah. of like weird effects that it has, <laughs> maybe it makes maybe it affects what outfit Cloud gets, but I think the rhythm game affects that. I uh, yeah, know. I think the rhythm game does that because I don't think I got the best one because because of the w- weird ass camera angles. I think I got like the yeah the basic one. Maybe I I don't I honestly know. Um, I got the purple one. I also got the purple. I yeah. don't remember which one I got. <laughs> Um, yeah. For for Tifa, I got what it's apparently the sporty one, which has her dress up like Chun Li, which is not really what I was expecting when I picked. If you sporty. tell her that you want the sporty one, she's like, "But that's kind of what I always dress like. I should do something different." Yeah, I, I chose, guess so. I chose the exotic one, and it's this like I don't know if it's traditional because I don't understand. Like I, I I'm not familiar with the culture, but it looks like a like traditional Chinese dress right. almost, um, which was neat, but also not what I was expecting when I uh-huh. selected Tifa. I would like you to wear an exotic dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were probably expecting the one that she says she wears if you pick the mature option. I would. Imagine. I don't know if I'd call that dress exotic. It's just a blue dress with like a short skirt. I mean, more so than the other two are, I would say. But I guess it depends on your definition of exotic. They're I... using exotic in a racist way. They are, yes. Yes, yes. And, like, it's it's kind <laughs> that, of diagetically racist, because it's like, expecting. oh, traditional Wu-Tai dress. But also, it might just be a little real-world racist, too. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that is the problem. Is uh, The developers and I had different definitions of exotic. Because yeah. I was not thinking of Orientalism. Right. Uh, yeah. The, that section was very weird. Yeah. Um, gosh. Uh, so, do, yeah, do we want to go ahead and get into sort of the remake portion now? I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to hit first. We talked about Red 13. There's not much to say about Howard Johnson in this one. He'll be more important later. Uh, you know, we, that, uh, fucking Rufus fight, pretty cool. He's got a shotgun, and he knows that. Yeah, I like it. that, I like that Rufus fight a lot, honestly. I'm mad that they made Rufus cool. <laughs> he was cool! <laughs> um, uh, I also appreciate that, like, there's a secret way to stagger him, and it's just to use Braver. And, like, they hit yeah. at it, if you assess him, it's like, oh, there might be a way to stagger him. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if, like, the way to do it is to just use like the ability that Cloud started with, like his his like signature ability. And it's like, yep, guessed right. Great. <laughs> that felt good. Um uh, I just I just did the like I would juke in and get him when he reloaded and then uh filled him full of uh, gross poison. 
I tried <laughs> to juke him and get him when he reloaded, and it didn't seem to work for me ever, so instead I just ate a bunch of buckshot over and over until my limit gauge <laughs> filled up, and then limit broke him twice and won. Hell yeah. <laughs> that that is actually a fight that um i think thanks to the mechanics involved still felt really fun even on easy mode for me yeah i agree yeah because yeah. like with with a lot of fights like on easy it's like oh man i was just getting started and now it's over but with it's Shinra, like, like it, you get a lot more to do it's also the one time tatsuya namura has made a fucking infinite stunlock boss that was still fun why does he like doing infinite stunlock bosses so much i I don't know he fucking loves that shit in kingdom hearts and it's just the worst it's so bad also um rufus like rocketing himself around with his shotgun yeah (laughs) it rules it's it's very cool oh it's very funny yeah that is that is some like real kingdom Hearts shit just like using your weapon as your movement yeah uh uh, well, if we're going to stick to the structure here, we could... Uh, what, the character we should talk about next is Sephiroth. Yeah. Sephiroth. They gave him kitty cat eyes. They did. You know, he's voiced by the dude that plays um, uh, Superman on the CW shows. Really? Huh. Yeah. I, uh-huh. I do... Th- there is a part of me, a very trollish part of me, that kind of wishes he was voiced by Lance Bass again. <laughs> Oh, I oh, that would have been desperately so wish he was voiced by Lance Bass, like in Kingdom Hearts. Because <laughs> that would have been so funny. It would have been perfect. <laughs> Speaking of Kingdom Hearts, I did, I knew that, like, the there was a big, wacky plot twist at the end of this game. Um, I did keep thinking, what if these ghosts take down their hoods and their Organization 13? <laughs> Oh, I would have fucking thrown the controller out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking, uh, Demix is here. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Axel shows up. Uh, What is Sephiroth's heartless name, or whatever the fuck, the the weird, like, X-rule thing? (laughs) Yeah. Hold on. Uh, Exisoff. That sounds like a, like a fungal cream. I was gonna say it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> Are you using uh, the name generator? Oh yeah, it does. Oh oh man, this name generator gave me some. I don't even know how I'm supposed to pronounce this. Uh, rock rock safe schist. <laughs> sure. It's like R O X E I P H S H T. How am I supposed to do that last part? That's too many consonants. I I tried and I got orphosicked. Oh no, it's our orphosixed. <laughs> That's not bad actually. I'm not gonna try. <laughs> um, I thought Sephiroth like was fine. Um, he he does the Sephiroth stuff. Um, I never really liked Sephiroth that much. He's boring. Uh, I think they use him a little bit too much, like, in the yeah. remake. Like, I get what they're trying to do and be like, ooh, Sephiroth's uh, appearing earlier. There's something weird going on. Um, but, like, I like his initial appearance after the yes. after the the generator um, yeah. where, like, Cloud gets distracted um, while navigating through the sector. But, like, I, I don't... And I also kind of like his appearance in Sector 7 slums uh, where 
uh, Cloud thinks Sephiroth's in his room because of the hood figure, because it leads yeah. to the incredibly good moment where yes. Cloud hits his Buster Sword against the door frame. It's really very good. good. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, but, like, most of his appearances after that just felt completely meaningless. I don't mind him showing up throughout the game, especially because yeah. they keep playing it as, like, oh, is, is Cloud having PTSD flashbacks, or is Sephiroth really here? Are other people seeing this? Sometimes it seems like they might, but then it turns out they're not. I like that stuff. I don't know how much I like him being the last boss of the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm still mixed about that. Um, mostly because, like, as much as I like the implications of what they do with the ending, I don't think it was, I don't think it was actually executed very well. The endings, I'm with you, I like the idea of the ending, I don't Mm -hmm. really like the ending. (laughs) Agreed. And especially, like, it's like the, the fucking, uh, Planet of the Apes, um, the stuffed cat moment. If you do not know Final Fantasy VII, fucking when Zack shows up, what you're gonna be like? What the fuck is this? Who's uh, this guy? I think that part's fine. If I didn't know Final Fantasy VII and I saw, wait, there's some other guy who has a Buster Sword and like, what the fuck's going on? Like that would have intrigued me. I like that part of it. Yeah, I think I think even if you haven't played FF Seven, that scene still works just in a different way. Because it, yeah. like, hints at the ultimate reveal of what Cloud's whole issue is um, in the later part. So it gets you sort of primed for that. Hmm. Um, if you, if you like, whereas if you have played FF7 and especially, like, Crisis Core, uh, then it, it hits you in a different way. So I do actually think that one works just for different reasons. Yeah. Hmm. Um, um, the thing I... So... I think they make it pretty clear Aerith kind of knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, it's she all but outright says that she knows what is going to happen and yeah. would rather not be stabbed with a sword, please. And I think it's I think it's kind of clunky how all of a sudden she just turns into an exposition machine at the end. Yeah, she almost turns into a totally different character in the final like yeah. like after you finish that a highway chase like she just becomes a different person basically yeah like i I like a lot of the lead-up stuff like the part where i was kind of starting to figure out what was going on was the the church between like when cloud gets knocked unconscious and there's another cloud talking to me like hey come on last time you just got a few scuffed knees out of this come on buddy you're fine and then you wake up and you're like about to kill the turk guy but the whispers throw you in the back to do the escape sequence i'm like oh oh i see what's going on that's weird cool where's this going um, but then Aerith just spells it all out in really kind of belabored terms in a way that kind of kills a lot of the, like, mystique of it. Yeah. I, like, I agree, but I also think that, like, that's somewhat necessary, because, like, I, I have co-workers who have played this. Yeah. And, uh, one of them, like, even after Aerith, like, explaining everything, was like, what the fuck happened? What is uh-huh. that? Yeah. So, like... Yeah. I, I also think, like... I def- there is definitely a swerve there at the end when Aerith is, like, suddenly, like, really serious and, like, this is the fate of, the- you know, we are challenging fate. We have to go and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, she feels different, but I think the bits in the actual fight um, help balance that out. Like, I think it shows that she was just, like, shit's hitting the fan. I, I can't be bubbly and fun right now. I gotta... Yeah, like lay it on you straight and then once everyone kind of is going all in and we're gonna fight fate 
she goes back. Like, like, like when she's like shit talking Sephiroth yeah. and like getting rowdy with Cloud. I think the other part of it that kind of was like, what's, what? Was that she suddenly knows a lot about Sephiroth and what his deal okay. is and what he's like as a person. Yeah. And tells everybody all of that in very like direct terms. And like, why does, what? Like, if you're going to have that. Mm-hmm. Make that be Cloud's thing, where he's like, no, listen, I know Challenging Fate is scary, but Sephiroth's a bad dude, we gotta do something about him. Yeah. Yeah, I I would have liked if Cloud had a little bit more input in that scene, both because it would have, like, made Aerith seem less like the dedicated exposition person. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, because, like, Cloud is the one with the actual history with Sephiroth, even if it's not the history he thinks it is. Like, he still knows what that dude's about, and he still had traumatic experiences with Sephiroth. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah, he should be like, we, we have to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's maybe annoying me just rolling out my Final Fantasy VII fanfiction, but my punch-up for the ending is you have... Sephiroth give all of that exposition, talk about, like, fate and how he's challenging it, play into the fact that Sephiroth is thought of as a war hero, and, like, other than Cloud, people have reason to, like, trust him, and be like, no, listen, you know, fate is conspiring to make everyone miserable, help me break it, make Aerith be the voice of, like, no, let's not do that, that's bad, because that's kind of her thing anyway, she's really, like, trepidatious about it, and have Barrett be the voice of, well, listen, we need to, like, take fate into our own hands, but also, fuck this dude, let's kill him. <laughs> and, like, just make it more of, like, make it more rooted in character, instead of Aerith giving you a big text dump and everything, like, yeah. well, okay, don't know what any of that means, but let's go fight Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah, that that if at least feels a lot closer to a more satisfying ending. Because um, yeah, they even, like, it... hint at that, because at the end of the game... When Cloud and Sephiroth are in, like, the void, and Sephiroth's just like, join me, Cloud, we can break fate together. And Cloud's like, no. Bah. I can't do the Omni Slash yet, because it's not the end of the game. Yeah. But, trust me, I'm gonna do it one day. Gonna get ya. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm just, also, I'm just not entirely sure what that, exactly that scene was with Cloud and Sephiroth alone, like, in the void at the apparent, like, End of the start of the universe. End of the universe. The, the understanding that I got from it was that basically by throwing down with Sephiroth, um, they delayed him, like him just going in and personally going like "fuck this," I'm rebooting shit and like you know ending everything. Um, they both delayed it, and also Cloud bought basically seven seconds. I think is what they say where he can change one thing. Like, he he can fuck with the timeline however he wants. And the change he makes is the seven seconds are used to so that Zack survives. Okay. Okay, yeah, I yeah, can take that that's... It's also just that, like, they wanted to recreate the ending of FF7, because it's an yeah. iconic moment. True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's that's also, I I think, the, the interpretation that uh, Austin Walker had, um, uh-huh. re- if, if I can remember correctly from... The podcast he did with Jackson, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, abnormal, abnormal mapping. mapping, but yeah, I, I wish that was communicated a little more clearly as to what the hell's going on there. Yeah, because <laughs> it's 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 weird because like as we mentioned, so many things are just like outright stated to us before the fight starts, and then once they're in the fight, it's just 
completely abstract. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to know, like, what is actually occurring. Um, one interesting thing is uh, I remember... Um, I think I also remember this from the uh, Abnormal Mapping podcast on it, but they were talking about how the three main whispers you fight uh, yeah. have, like, three weapons that appear to correspond to... Uh, uh, Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett. So okay. So what I, they actually I have a th- correspond I have a thing to... to say about this. Okay. Uh, oh, I think you were about to say it. What they actually correspond to? Go ahead. Okay. So oh, just uh, that. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Yeah the the Advent Children connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it what. And I've actually found this out through a tweet, is that, like, the yeah. they correspond to, like, the Sephiroth clones whose, oh god, what were their names? It's, like, Kadaj, Laws, and Yazu? Yeah. Those are terrible names. They are. Um, they are remnants of Sephiroth that show up in Advent Children, and Cloud fights them, and eventually they, like, do, re- do reunion and bring Sephiroth back to life. Uh... And they they wield fist, gun, and sword. So that is the actual reference that the Whispers are most likely referring to, especially because they show up in the fight with Whisper and Big Sephiroth. My uh, understanding is that uh, the the like what's it called Ultimania, the books they put out about FF games, uh, kind of confirms that they're the Advent Children people. Yeah. Uh, I Which... I tend to take Ultimania with a grain of salt because Ultimania also says that Shinra from FF102 like comes up with materia condensing technology based on his experimentation with the far plane in uh-huh. FF10 and then like that innovation goes on to like become the Shinra corporation on a different planet when they invent space travel. I'm like Okay, I guess, but also I don't really like that direction for FF10, so I'm just gonna choose <laughs> to ignore that because it's just Welcome like this. To the, it's just like the this Final Fantasy multiverse because <laughs> it's just like this one dude uh, that was re- that was involved in FF10 saying that. Uh, I agree with you, but I can also like with it being that like this is part one of a story and all of that stuff is very opaque and weird it could very easily be that that is hinting at where stuff is gonna go in the next remake yeah it would be it would be really wild if they started incorporating like advent children stuff like in the actual remake games uh like very directly i mean, the way i would want them to do it uh, is that if they must i'd rather they just didn't but if they have to have it be that like the FF7 timeline and the compilation of FF7 timeline are, like, at war with each other, you know? <laughs> uh, so that's... So, I, so like, what you're saying is you're gonna have to fight future alternate time... future original timeline Cloud, who has a better Buster Sword than you do. Yes. He's got seven. Um, I do have... So, I... I'm curious about what the next one is going to be. Yeah. Because, like, it's unclear whether, like, reality has been changed in the timeline that the FF crew are in. 
So right. like Zack survived, or if that branched off and now there's another timeline where Zack lived. Yeah. Um, and like, is it going to swap between the two timelines? Is it going to be just like, I, I think that could be, I hope, I think that like a swapping where like you are playing through kind of the gestures of the traditional FF seven campaign. And then halfway through the game, it swaps over to this alternate timeline where Zack lived and Zack is the main character and you see how things played out differently. I could see would that. would be really interesting. Yeah. There yeah. there was a tweet going around from a person who was claiming to like be translating um, some interviews uh, from the directors. Yeah. Uh, uh, p- people involved in the game where they said that, oh yeah, for the future games we, we aren't going to diverge that much. Um, which that's I, so I, vague. I'm though. not sure. Yeah. I'm not so sure. I believe that because <laughs> why? Yeah, especially, I, I believe it in the sense that I believe that the next game will have a flashback to Sephiroth, uh, and then they'll go to Calm, and then the Ocean Town, and they'll have like a fun, sexy beach episode at Costa del Sol, and then go to Golden Saucer. But what happens at each of those places, and how it plays out, and how it builds to like a main plot? Who knows? Yeah, because like the thing is. Yeah, because that answer makes no sense to me if you just take it, like, at face value. Because why yeah. even do the stuff that you're doing in Remake if you don't then change it up more in the following games, you know? But they were also super tight-lipped about the weird stuff in Remake. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it could just be deflection. It could it could be Nomura, like, uh, being very coy and not technically telling a lie. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I... I saw people taking that as like, oh, okay, I guess they're going back to the original story. It's like, are you kidding me? No, they they can't. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just very weird. Um, that uh, and also like who who even knows if that was even the necessarily like most the correct translation, tr- translation yeah. Of, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I guess at the very least I can say I hope that the people taking it at face value are not correct, because that would be very disappointing. Yep. They, they can't be, because the ending of this game makes no fucking sense then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, even even if Aerith still dies, and, like, I kind of think she still will. I, um, yeah, I, that to me is, like, to me, part of the reason they're doing this is to make that an honest up-in-the-air question. Yeah, like, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what what's kind of cool about it, is because now it is actually like a legitimate question i i'm still falling on the side of it's still gonna happen it's just that uh it's just that like the characters are gonna be more prepared for the after better prepared for the aftermath this time so things uh-huh. don't go completely to shit like they did in the original ff7 because like i liked the theory i saw which was that Aerith doesn't die but somebody else dies in that scene instead Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think no. I think I honestly think that's the best way to play it. My like, my best friend Aaron had a theory where in in that scene, Cloud dies instead, and Zach yeah. shows up as the Cloud replacement. That would be very cool. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that works for like an end to Cloud's character arc, though. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Is that it's uh, well, but no. Then what you do in the next game then is you pull Cloud up from another timeline, but he's physically traumatized and you just turn it into when he's in the wheelchair in the original yeah or or maybe like the way you bring him back is like tifa still enters the live stream and is able to recover him somehow 
Like yeah, maybe he, yeah, yeah. like maybe he's not fully dead. Like when he falls into the into the pool in the ancient city, like he's he's dying, but the like live stream is kind of keeping him on life support and right Leafa go- tifa goes in there to save him and then you can still have the there's a the point is there's a lot of things you can do <laughs> and that's that's pretty yeah. exciting to me it is um and, and i love that they are actually taking a less strict view of what a remake can be yeah for sure and it's like especially like kudos to them they never once hinted at anything going on like they they were from the second they announced it to like it came out they were just playing it completely straight like no we want to be faithful to the original we we will make some changes but strictly just to make it more palatable for modern audiences like yeah, we the want only to like stay... hat tip there was at all yeah. was uh when they were like hey the game leaked a week early please if you've got it don't tell anyone about the ending yeah yeah uh which isn't their fault, honestly. Right, like, like yeah. Even even the demo only has us only shows the slight change of the of the of the difference with the yeah. bomb. Yeah. Which is very funny because like the actual big differences happen immediately after the demo ends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very funny how they time that. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. Like. I this is trying. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding kind of mean, <laughs> but like <laughs> I I've seen people extremely upset about how about the fact that FS7 remake does change things, and like I I can totally understand if you are if you don't think the changes that were made were uh were good um were good changes because like i can totally see how the the ending um and how the whispers were implemented would put people off but also like if if you think that the remake should have just been a shot for shot but better graphics version of the original like i just don't understand you i (laughs) i understand you but i disagree with you (laughs) like like I, I think if they'd done that, it would have been fine. It would have been a pretty yeah. okay game. I think this it is would a have more been utterly choice. forgettable. Yeah. Like everyone would have like, yeah. I, and I think that like they not only more interesting. I think it's the smarter choice because like this game has been huge. Like yeah, yeah. people uh, are fair, talking I think, about. FF7 I think saying it'd be again. forgettable. I don't think saying it's it'd be forgettable is fair. Just because like the reasons people are going nuts over it have nothing to do with the weird shit they do at the end. It's to do with. Aerith in an evening gown bashing a dude with a chair, you know? Well, like, I, can't that, either shit, I can't believe we forgot to talk about Cherith. <laughs> oh, Cherith is, is like, like the core of my being now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, like, I think that they, like, it depends on how faithful you're talking, because, like, I think that a lot of the charm that came out of, like, the remake, because, like, people are talking about Jesse. Who right. the fuck thought people were going to talk about Jesse? But I don't yeah. think people mad about it being unfaithful are mad about the Jesse section. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess, but they're also, mad that like, weird ghosts show up all the time and they have to deal with a bunch of time travel horse shit, and but, they just. Want but their also, story. they're fucking they're cherry picking at that point. Fuck them. They're, sure. They're going like you know, I only like the some of the changes are okay. Other changes are poo poo trash. 
as someone so, who kind of likes the changes, the storms of ghosts get a little old. Oh no, they do. They yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I am personally glad that they did not tip their hand and, and make it obvious that uh, there oh, were yeah. there were going to be differences. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, I will always be in favor of pulling a Metal Gear Solid two on people. Yeah, that, that's that's actually exactly what I was thinking of. Is like if like if uh like imagine a world where Kojima just made it very obvious what. Metal Gear Solid 2 was going to be. That'd be a far right. less interesting universe that we would be living in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, like for... all advertisement is lies. You may as well lie in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. Like, have some fun with it. Uh, fucking surprise me for once in my life, because, like... <laughs> Please, I need to feel something. Because, lo- like, so many trailers these days, especially for movies, it's like, here's the oh, entire God, movie yeah. from the beginning to the end. Here's the fucking three-act structure we're doing. Now pay us $12 to see all three hours of it. (laughs) I do remember um, when the game, when the spoilers got out about the big changes, like, it ended up, like, I, coming into this, because, you know, I have no nostalgia for FF7, I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get it. Like, it looks nice, but then the demo was fun, but I got, like, Persona 5 Royal, and I've got a bunch of other stuff. Um, And then the, the spoilers hit, and I was just like, fuck. I gotta get this. This is crazy. Um, and, it, like, it worked. Like, yeah. yeah, I fucking love this game. It's probably my favorite game I've played this year so far. Mm. I know you don't feel as hot on it, but I... <laughs> I, I like it. It was good. Like, I have a positive impression of it overall, oh, even yeah. if I have issues. I, it just charmed the crap out of me. Like, in a way I was totally unprepared for. Yeah, I, I think if it ends up being on my, like, top games of the year list which i don't know um i've i've played a lot of really good games uh this year did that did not have the the same pacing issues um but it, if it does make it like it's going to be pretty much entirely on this like the strength of how well uh, the strength of like the characters and the dialogue because like i like this game has the best like character writing i've seen since ff10 uh, which coming from me is is pretty strong praise. Uh, are we, hold on, are we are we including uh, FF14 in this? Uh, some... Okay, so specifically, uh, if we were to include FF14, I'd say I'd really only put Shadowbringers up in yeah. in that same category. He- Heaven's Word has some good moments, but yeah, Shadowbringers is where it really like brings the thunder. Yeah, yeah, I- I'd say like it-, it is in that upper echelon with FF10 and FF14 Shadowbringers. Like okay. it's it's really really good. Um, and yeah, I- it's it's been so long since I've just liked a cast this much. Because yeah. boy, did I try with FF13 trilogy and FF15, but like. FF15 came close, but there were there was so much like awkward stuff about that game's dialogue and plot structure that like it never really grabbed me like I was hoping it would. But FF7 remake did like really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I love I love all these characters, uh, and I want to see my boy Nanaki again. <laughs> the Characters, I, I'm finding more and more that characters are what hook me into a game more than almost anything else. 
Um, like, it's why, even though hearing Molly and Nora play through Mass Effect, it, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's killing me on the inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's why I remember, um, like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I... I remember Garrus. I really liked Garrus. Yeah, it was point. really fun when he yeah. was excited yeah. to not have to follow any rules about being a cop anymore. Look, Luke. I, I'm uh, I'm with you on this, Zoe. With listen, Garrus, I was with you. Garrus is Who our problematic boyfriend. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, and like I, a memorable cast carries a lot of weight with me. Yeah. Um, like, more than, like, a memorable plot, or, like, even sometimes, like, fun mechanics. Like, if you give me a group of characters that I enjoy and care about, I'll remember your game for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and this game fucking... I was not expecting it to, because I tried to play FF7, didn't really work for me. Um, it, FF7 has such, like, a, a, a hype miasma around it, along with, like, anti-hype, where people are like, eh, it's overrated, not that good. <laughs> right. Um... So I, the last thing in the world I expected was all of these characters are great. I love all of them. I want to see more of them immediately. Yeah. Uh, Aerith is my girlfriend now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, like, just on a personal note, I I like, I like that Nomura finally got to go, like, wild with some Final Fantasy characters again. Uh Because, like, he's, it seems like he's been consistently forced to side more and more toward the Disney and original character portion of Square uh, of like Kingdom Hearts. And while I like those original characters in Kingdom Hearts a lot, like part of the appeal was always having it, like Final Fantasy characters there too to interact with like the Disney stuff and the original stuff. I, I hear you, but also and when did a Final Fantasy seven character do something cool in a Kingdom Hearts game? Tifa When did that happen? Tifa in Kingdom Hearts two? <laughs> Okay, so one time for about thirty seconds across ten games. Also, also like I, I, I like uh, Cloud's portions in, in Kingdom Hearts as well, and I think like uh, I, I think uh, Squall is pretty neat in those games too. Um, He's j- okay. <laughs> I don't, we don't have to have this fight. I just, so hold on. As someone whose Kingdom Hearts experience is um, uh, began and ended with playing Kingdom Hearts one on the PS2, one of the worst. Out, um, uh, well, I was a child, um, and so I loved it, but, um, from my understanding, the whole, like, Kingdom Hearts being Final Fantasy meets a Disney thing, um, which is what, it, like, that's how I remember it being billed. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it ended up being, like, barely any Final Fantasy in it at all, like, maybe very few, like, cameo appearances or short, like, you know, like... Cloud's here. Here's a little bit of cloud for you for like an hour, and then bye, cloud. Yeah. The, um, the thing is, is that like you don't really Disney is still more represented because you don't really yeah. go to the Final Fantasy worlds. They're the worlds, always no. yeah. Disney worlds. Um. So like the, the most commonly occurring Final Fantasy character is a Moogle, who's the shopkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, Kingdom Hearts two did have more uh Final Fantasy representation. But after that, like, it almost completely disappears. Yeah. Well, there's so many Kingdom Hearts characters at that point that, like, there's no room. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah, because No More introduces yeah, they... like, a billion original characters at that point. 
Yeah, that's the big thing. Like, Kingdom Hearts ended up eating the Final Fantasy lunch with its own bullshit. Yeah. Right? And honestly, yeah. the honestly, the organization characters are basically just modern-day Kingdom Hearts characters, uh, Final Fantasy characters anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, like, Ax- Axel is just another version of Reno. And it's even more obvious now that Reno has even more polygons. Right. I legitimately thought Reno's the redhead. Yes, yeah. Hartsman. Yeah, I legitimately thought they were the same character the first time I saw. <laughs> That's him. fair. Reno. They yeah. look. Nomura has a type. No, listen. Reno has electric powers. Axel has fire powers. Totally different. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense now. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I... How many of these do you think they're gonna make? Who? Uh, three. See, I was initially thinking three. Now three I, is the right answer. I don't think they're going to choose the right answer. Yeah, now I'm not so sure, because they said they were going to do this in smaller chunks. So, so here uh, is... My personal guess is five. Here is my pitch for what they should do with three. Yeah. Um, the second one should be more of this. Like, more um, with maybe some split timeline stuff, but more just, like, it is Final Fantasy VII... Yeah, things are weird. Like things are changing, but like the core is still roughly there. And the third one should just blow it out the water and be new shit. Like, like just like yeah. the timeline is collapsing. Like it's all like, like jumbled. It's all new. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. Um, the the next stretch of FF7 is very meandering, and there's good mm-hmm. stuff in there, but it's just very like I don't know. Go here. Uh, oh, they might have seen Sephiroth. Maybe go this way. You can condense that way down. I think. The best way to do it would be game two ends at the scene where Aerith dies. Maybe she survives, maybe she doesn't. And that's the ending of game two. And then game three is everything after that condensed into one thing. Because yeah. also a bunch of timeline shenanigans are happening. Yeah, and also, yeah. everything after Aerith dies in FF7 is kind of boring and bad. Yeah, you could just like completely skip the huge Materia plotline. Because it doesn't you go don't anywhere need... anyway. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to go searching underwater in a submarine or... You just don't want to fight that ghost ship. I don't want to fight the ghost ship. I don't want to go into space with Sid. (laughs) You you barely even go into space. Like, you go into space for a few seconds and then immediately come down. And the the reason you go into space doesn't even matter anyway. (laughs) Right. It's some Armageddon bullshit that doesn't even work. It's totally useless. Uh, I don't even know why they had that huge material plot line. It doesn't go anywhere. Because they gotta round out the hour count, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff you can cut from that, like, third act. Yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, you can, you can, you can streamline a lot of the second act, too, because... Yep. Do you think they'll have Chocobo breeding? Why would they? (laughs) Why would they? I have to believe they won't, because why would they? I mean, they included, like, a lot of minigames that they didn't really have to include. You're right. Look, as long as they don't include the weird, like, RTS segment. They're gonna. God, you're probably right. You know what, that's part of the huge materia stuff, though, so maybe... Yeah, maybe the, maybe they will cut it. I hope they do because Mount Fort Condor is just so dumb and bad. Uh, there is a part of me that kind of hopes they do some joke about reading. Why? People seem to like that. Like I hear people I like saying that. Yeah, people like hearing 
people talk about Final Fantasy VII forever. Um, Chocobo breeding is something that constantly came up as people being like, yeah, yeah, breeding some chocobos. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would make sense if, like, they expand the gold saucer as well, because I imagine yeah. they would include, like, a much better version of the Chocobo Racing minigame. I am imagining a situation where there is some early stuff with Calm. You have to do the... the co- What's the coast city with the cannon? Junon. Yeah, the, like, you do stuff with there, but it's very set-piecey. It's doing all the, like, military march stuff. You have your uh, anime bikini episode at the resort town. <laughs> uh, and you basically just rush things along to get to the golden saucer that you treat as, like, the main hub world of the next game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the, the main thing I want from the next game is uh, seeing Red 13 try to dress up as a Shinra guard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Love I'm to see sorry, how they bring what? that. In the original game, there's a bit where you all disguise yourself as guards to get on a boat. Um, and you can walk around and see everyone in disguise. Barrett has a cute little sailor suit on. It's adorable. Um, and there's one guard who's just waddling around with Red 13's tail sticking out. And, like, in oh shitty PS1 graphics, you can get away with that. In the modern style, I don't know how you sell that at all. Is... Is Yuffie with the team at that point? She can uh, be. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because so you can I, get I think... Yuffie as soon as you leave Midgard if you, like, uh, if you grind some random battles to get a chance to find her. Okay, I think then my pitch for um, what they do um, at uh, for Red 13 is a Vincent Adult Man style where Yuffie is on Red 13's, like, back or whatever standing <laughs> and they're one tall soldier great yes fuck i now that i'm thinking it through they're definitely not getting to Aerith dying in game two there's too much stuff yeah no <laughs> they should they should just like cut i said stuff. it's gonna don't be really like five need to go to costa del sol yeah does does um cosmo canyon happen before or after golden saucer i don't remember uh, i think it's after Okay, then maybe they'll end at Cosmo Canyon. Yeah, and then I, Game 3 is fucking Rocket Town. I, and I could see that, because that would be a pretty dramatic place to end it, because, like, that's that's where uh, Bugenhagen, I think, uh, tells you, like, does a bunch of exposition uh, with you about the ancients and, and stuff. Right, yeah. And, like, you have that nice campfire scene with everybody where they're all, like, reflecting on their lives and, like, what they're fighting for and shit. Yeah, I, I can I can see them end, ending it like sort of a, after the planetarium uh, exposition. But then that also means game three out. would be like you go to Rocket Town and then you go to Nibelheim, and then you go to the temple and then you go to watch Aerith die. Like there, that wouldn't leave much to do in that one. True. I, I don't know what any of these words mean. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. There's there's a floating man who takes you to a planetarium and tells you about ancients. There's a magic temple that sucks, uh, that I think it's technically possible to softlock the game at. And I think I would have softlocked my game if I didn't have all the cheats that the Switch version has. It also tries to make you feel emotions about a puppet sacrificing itself. Yep. Even though it's just a puppet. And also, it's a puppet that sucks. Yeah. Hmm, this doesn't sound good. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, also, <laughs> I, I can't wait until they, uh, for the Nibelheim flashback where, uh, they, uh, realistically render the part where, uh, Sephiroth just chucks a materia at Cloud's head and yeah. then, and then flies away like a rocket. <laughs> See, but that's, honestly, no. That part's gonna suck because they're gonna make it cool. The one scene that should never be cool. Because <laughs> it's gonna be like he throws it and it goes into slow motion and, like, Cloud deflects it with his sword only for another one to hit him and then, like, Sephiroth is all floaty and awesome. He's not gonna look like an idiot when he flies away. Okay, I don't, like, they did include shit like Cloud's sword hitting the door frame when he tried to pull it, like... They're willing to get a little goofy. A little, but, like, that scene is supposed to be serious, and it just looks ridiculous because they couldn't mm. make it look cool back then. Yeah, I just really want to see a Materia bonk off of Cloud's head. Speaking of them being willing to get goofy, I think one of my favorite bits of that in this game, I think it's when you first get Aerith and you're just her and Cloud. There's a bit where Cloud says, uh, shall we mosey? And Aerith goes, let's! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Uh... Shall we mosey? I think we shall. Yeah, I, th- I think we've uh, we've pretty much covered yeah. uh, FF7 remake. Zoe, is there anything else you want to say? Um, no, I like it a lot. It's a good game. Uh, Aerith is my girlfriend. Um, yeah, that's it. Those are my thoughts. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll go ahead and do our outros here. Um. Uh. If you want to hear our three voices, if you just haven't gotten enough uh, of us um, and find and find it to be like strangely arousing, um, well, you can on. you can listen to a podcast all three of us are a part of called Eidolon. Uh, would you like to tell our listeners about it, Luke? Yeah, I would. It's called Eidolon Playtest. It's an actual play RPG podcast where we playtest a game that me and my friend Molly wrote together based on Persona and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It is two different campaigns uh, that release episodes on alternating weeks. Zoe is a part of Eidolon Pop. Hell uh, yeah, I am. A Persona-inspired adventure that I don't know how fast Dustin's turning this episode around, but episode four of Eidolon Pop, look out for it. It's a big I fucked shit up bad. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile... Dustin is on Idol on Rock, which is uh, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure-inspired episode. You know what? Idol on Rock number four, also pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, and also, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash playtest, where for five bucks, I'll give you the game right now, even though it's not done yet. <laughs> Boy, is it ever not. It's good, though. It, it's still, like, I as someone who recently, like, you know, has been looking at, like, powered by the apocalypse systems yeah your game ain't done but it's it, it's fun to play yeah like it, you could absolutely run an eidolon game and have a good time with it for the most part you can yes you let <laughs> you let me have a roomba called sephiroth that's that true if you like battle. sephiroth check out eidolon rock if you like <laughs> um if you like 
disastrous consequences of rash actions, uh-huh. uh, you should tune into Idol on Pop. Yup. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, I mentioned it before, but um, if you want to hear me talking about more video games, uh, you can also listen to the podcast I do with Sierra, Sierra called uh, Gotcha Journalism, where we review uh, free-to-play gotcha games. Uh, so that way you don't have to waste your money on them. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Zoe, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Blankzilla. Um, I don't, I, I'm not really on any podcast besides Eidolon right now, and Ashley's trying to come up with something, I guess, so stay tuned. Um, but no, other than that, nah. Oh, right, yeah, you can, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at StiltsTheGM. And you can follow Luke at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, That's true. And uh, yeah, I, that'll do it. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for, for joining me and let's mosey. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Let's. Out of here.